Welcome back to Balancing Chaos with Kelly and Gretchen. And today we have a special guest, and this is someone Kelly knows. So Kelly, I'm going to let you introduce her, let her introduce herself. You Okay, so today we have my friend Sarah, who has done the coolest thing that I've ever heard of, and I can't wait for her to tell you all about it. So Sarah, welcome. Hi, everyone. Now, Sarah, are you still in Bali? No, I'm in Portugal. Oh my gosh, I can't even keep up with you. (laughs) (laughs) So Sarah and I met in graduate school at Northeastern, and I don't know, how long after we met did did you decide to do this adventure? Um, Probably two years. So I get an email from Sarah one day, and she said, oh, I'm going to do this awesome thing. I'm going to uh, do remote year, and I had never heard of it. Of course, I Googled it right away. And so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about remote year and what motivated you to do it and how you got the courage to basically leave your well set up life in Massachusetts and travel the world? Um, Well, at that time, I had been teaching part time online. Um, I teach online nursing courses for Northeastern and um, I was curious about moving and I was looking into other cities and I came across this program and um, it's geared for online professionals who want to travel so they accommodate um, they give you a workspace a living space um, and they give you an itinerary for a year and you're with a community of people who are working in a similar fashion we all work online um, and you know we just move around for a year and it's been it was a great journey so you went to a different country every month, correct? Yeah. Uh, yes. And did you did they assign your rooms and who, how did this how did the arrangements work and the travel accommodations? Like, tell me everything they did. Um, yes, I mean there's uh, kind of room assignments, but you know you can request um, certain things with a group of sixty people. You'll find people that you like um, that you want to live with. Uh, some some of the accommodations, depending on the cities, were single single rooms, single apartments. Um, sometimes you had roommates, uh, so it was different every month. Um, but you could you know make requests if you knew, if you really wanted to. So did you tra- so you're traveling with all of the same sixty people from country to country, or does it change every month? Uh, no, same people. So w- tell me all the places you went. Uh, we started in Valencia, Spain, and we went to Lisbon, Portugal. So it's here in July 2016. Um, and then we went to Morocco, uh, and then uh, Sofia, Bulgaria, um, and then we went to Serbia, um, and then we went to Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, Malaysia, and then uh buenos aires uh we did argentina technically we did that country for two months we were in buenos aires for uh one month uh and cordoba for another month and then we went to santiago chile so when you say you're doing this you're this is not like a traveling nurse which i specify just because i know if you went to grad school with kelly you're you have a nursing degree of some type correct so you're are you so you're still teaching online Correct. I teach uh, three online uh, sections for Northeastern. And are all of the people that are traveling with you, are they all online teachers or just various online careers? Various online careers. 
what other types of careers do they do or what what types of people did you meet? Uh, it's been interesting to see what um, what different fields are online. Um, uh, a great deal of them are tech people. So there is um, coders and um, software developers, but there's been writers and lawyers and, um, uh, you know, travel um, bloggers and uh, just uh, online advertising and some very different fields. What is, do you pay them or how, how does that work that you end Cor- up with this group? Correct. I pay them. So instead of paying rent in Boston, I paid this company um, to have this workspace and living space. So I just need Wi-Fi to work, really. So I just change my living um, area for every month. And it, it, is it cheaper to travel the world than to live in Boston? In, <laughs> in some ways, it is. I don't have a car. Um, I don't um, have utility payments anymore. So um, I did, you know, own my apartment in Boston. And uh, so it, it is about the same. I would say cost of living wise is about the same, even with the pl- plane tickets. Did So tell me about your favorite place that you visited. I don't think I have a favorite place. Um, It's just, um, I don't know, all around the world, there's just so much beautiful, different parts of the world are so beautiful. I do love um, Portugal, which is why I'm back here. Um, I do love Bali, which is where I was um, for several months um, prior to this. Um, But uh, it's been amazing just, um, you know, the different cultures, the different food, the different ways of life. But for the most part, everyone's just living life, um, you know just working and um it's just been amazing so did you what did you all do during the day did you get together and work or did you guys do activities together did you develop really strong friendships um you do and so within 60 people you do um we were very work oriented group so monday through friday um our workspace um, was pretty active, um, depending on whether you worked set out, set um, U.S. hours or not. So some people had to be in the workspace at certain times. Um, I had a little flexibility with mine, so um, but I did Monday through Friday, um, you know, have a regular routine. Um, and then, you know, lunch or, you know, weekends or if we wanted to be flexible and do things. The program does incorporate um events um they call them track events where you do either a cultural experience or you go see some sightseeing events or um it's a you know an activity um and so within 60 people you will bond with them so it you know it it becomes quite an experience for one year to to travel and work and um you know experience life with uh what is strangers at the beginning but at the end is very much a community so you did it for one year, but you said 2016. So are you still doing it or have you are you now working on your own and traveling on your own? Um, I'm somewhat traveling on my own. Um, I then have I've uh, one perk of the program is that you get to jump back into other cities or other programs that are in cities. So I have cross paths with um, with other groups um, from remote year. Otherwise, I've been traveling on my own. Um, it's somewhat of a lifestyle for me right now. Um, again, I just need Wi-Fi, and um, I just uh, travel around and spend my nights and weekends and uh, exploring and, um, you know, my daytimes working from cafes. 
So where are you sleeping? How do you find accommodations on your own? Mostly Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) I love Airbnb. (laughs) Mostly, mostly Airbnb or, um, you know, sometimes I'm going and visiting friends or family and staying with them. So what did, so speaking of friends and family, what did your friends and family say when you embarked on this? Were you living near them when you left? Um, or was it just not I was, that much different? I was in Boston and most of my friends, um, you know, I have a, a small group of very close friends there and they were mostly supportive. Um, and then my family um, is in California or in New York. So um, for the most part, you know, I think they see me just as much. Um, they do come to visit. So um, it's been uh, it's been great. Um, I think they've been loving. It's a different lifestyle. You know, I get to have an adventure um, much different than, you know, my friends are experiencing right now. But, um, you know, it's my authentic way of living life right now. It's, um, you know, I'm, it, it makes me happy to be able to see the world and um, to still be working at, at the same time. So just to be clear, you had, in addition to your part-time online job before you did this, you had a very good job as a nurse, um, pro- I'm assuming making a decent salary so what would you say (laughs) so what would you say to someone who may be considering something like this because I think a lot of times people want to do things but they're nervous about or they're fearful to do something like this to lose the income or lose the stability the comfort uh yes I was a a nurse at the Jimmy Fund and um I love um I love working at the hospital I very much miss working at the hospital um I do think that after, you know, I've been traveling for two years, so I have established that um, being with a patient population, it does give me the sense of purpose and passion in my career. So, um, but for right now, this is um, a work-life balance that I'm enjoying. So um, continuing with that, um, uh, it was a pay cut. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, <laughs> it was a pay cut um, for me about 50%. Um, again, you know, it's just me. So adjusting a lifestyle um, is, you know, kind of down to the individual. Um, but, uh, you know, depending on where you're a nurse and, you know, what you're doing, it's, you know, maybe not that much of a, of a pay cut. But um, it does uh, remote remote work in general does pay less and then academics um doesn't um tend to pay as much as um staff nursing but um the reality is there's um there's a great work-life balance to this um this career choice and um for me the pay cut has been worth it mm-hmm. and because you're working for a u.s university you don't have to deal with uh, are you just on a travel visa or do you have to deal with work visas or how does how do the logistics work? Correct. I'm on, I'm on uh, a travel visa. This is, you know, nothing to do with my job. Um, you know, what I, I, I what I do for my living is online, you know, online. And then um, my off times is spent in another country, but you know, on a tourist visa. Have you been back to the States at all since you left? <laughs> Ten days. all at once or like one day at a time (laughs) no just (laughs) 10 days all at once it was actually um cheaper for me to go from cuba to iran by passing through new york oh 
So what do you think about what's happening here in the United States compared to the other countries where you've been traveling? Um, well, it's interesting. I was out of the country when uh, Trump was elected. So um, it's been interesting to see the shift in people's uh, people's way of talking. Um, it's People do want to talk about politics quite often uh, while traveling, you know, when you're in a restaurant or a bar, strike up a conversation with a local. Um, sometimes um, they might not know a lot of English, but they know the names of the presidents. So um, <laughs> they transition from Obama and like, you know, um, with usually big smiles and thumbs up. And now they say Trump and they kind of like look at you to see how you judge uh, them saying it. Um but, uh, and it's, you know, the other things have been interesting to notice um, while traveling, particularly, um, you know, there's no guns um, in a lot of the countries that I'm in. And it's a striking um, sense of security um, that I think I notice, uh, I notice in countries that now, now that do have it. Uh, so that's just kind of been just one cultural thing I've noticed moving around, um, and just just different populations and the way they eat, and uh, just you know Asian cultures and you know their food is so fresh and so healthy, and their portion their portion sizes are so interesting. And then coming back to Europe um, and how different they eat over here um, and how rich some of their food is, but it's so good at the same time. Um, um, yeah, it's been, you know, culturally, it's just been uh, a great assessment, um, to go around and, you know, see how different people live their lives. So were you able to vote in the election, even though you were overseas? I did. I did, uh, an absentee ballot. So now is your plan to return to the U.S.? My plan is to eventually return. Um, I just don't know when that is. Um, I am I am getting tired. I would like to uh, do, you know, some more slow travel, which takes a little bit more work and planning. You have to figure out which countries you have extended, you know, visas in um, and where you can stay more than a month or so. Uh, so it'd be nice to uh, just... Uh, travel with purpose a little bit more. So, you know, goal setting a little bit on my personal side, which would be like, I would really like to really learn Spanish. So <laughs> I would like to, <laughs> you know, go stay in a Spanish speaking country for a while and, um, and get involved there um, and stay, stay put in the city long enough to right now, right. Uh, it seems when I get to know a city, I'm, I'm, it's right when I'm starting to get to ready to go. So it would be nice to stay in the city long enough to get to know a place. So we've been living through Trump and guns here mm -hmm. <laughs> in the U.S. So what would you, so it sounds like I heard you say a lot of benefits of traveling, um, particularly the food, which I am so mm -hmm. happy to hear you say because I go. I can tell by your friends. Yeah, I go. Out, oh my gosh, I go. Food this, and guns. Yeah, I go. Out, Gretchen's very passionate about all the politics and. I'm very passionate about the food. And I said, oh, if you read into the food, you would be equally as angry as me. <laughs> um, and of course, healthcare. I'm sure you've been in countries with universal health care. Mm -hmm. um, so based on your experience in other countries, what is 
What do you perceive as strengths of the U.S.? Because lately, all we talk about is negatives and we're just frustrated a lot. So um, from your perspective, what do you think we still have going for us over here? Um, I mean, we we do set the standard of care as far as, you know, uh, what we consider process and technique. Um, I did have the experience of going into a couple hospitals, whether it was uh, to support friends or um, I did have a, a couple of tours of um, some hospitals while traveling. And um, just based on our quality of care, I went to one hospital that had absolutely no pumps. Everything's on roller clamps and, you know, shared rooms and just curtains between patients. And, um, you know, it's a, a nursing that I vaguely remember um, <laughs> right at the transition of those periods. But, um, you know, uh, they still provide a very good quality of care. They still provide very good outcomes. So you're seeing very good nursing and good care, um, whether or not um, you have state-of-the-art, um, you know, rooms and, you know, the space or new, you know, new construction or whatnot. So um, I think it was very enlightening. It's eye-opening to see global, you know, how global health kind of functions um, in that way. Um, the price of medications uh, or vaccinations across uh, traveling has been quite interesting. Um, it's m- very much cheaper <laughs> for me to do even my dental work, um, it would, even with co-pays, um, to do it while I'm traveling. So it's just been uh, quite interesting to live life uh, with no U.S. health insurance for two years and uh, manage my health care within that. Um, and, you know, travel insurance is one, you know, one third, one fourth the price of one year of uh, state insurance. So there's more incentive than that. <laughs> so you have no health insurance right now? I have travel insurance. So it's insurance while uh, abroad. So it doesn't cover me in the States. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I'm going to assume that you teach nursing or healthcare related classes. Uh, I do. I teach. Okay. Uh, I teach uh, nursing informatics primarily. Um, that's been consistent. Uh, I often teach a capstone course and then um, I master's professional development course. And does your ex- do you share your experiences of your travel with your students? Um, do they know that you're traveling or do you or do you also like go the next step and talk about the very, you know, the differences that you've seen in other nations and all that kind of stuff? Um, I have um, just started mentioning that I'm traveling. Um, sometimes it's uh, a distraction. Um, the students have more emails about where I am or what I'm doing. Um, so I just uh, I kind of just only related if it has to do with time, you know, time change issues or travel issues where I can't um, access my email um, to respond uh, in a quick time or something like that. For uh, for right now, my travel is very much uh, my personal life. So I do try to compartmentalize a little bit with that. <laughs> and also, I think um, the, the online classes are, they have to remain as consistent as possible mm-hmm. across sections. Uh, correct. So, yeah, I yeah. I mean, at least that's what I try to do. Um, yeah, yeah. Are you covering all your sections for 
each class or are there multiple pro- uh, professors for each? There's multiple professors for each. Um, so it's been um, nice uh, over the years because it's been repetitive courses um, to kind of set a structure, uh, especially the informatics course that the three of us work very uh, closely to constantly refresh and um, update the update the course and update the sources. Mm-hmm. Now, you're father immigrated to the United States? Both my parents did. Okay, both your parents Mm -hmm. did. So how, what is their um, and your perception or feelings about what's been happening recently with DACA and all of the immigration drama? Um, I think it's, uh, I mean, for my parents, they came um, before the revolution, they came for college um, then the revolution happened and they decided to stay in the States um, so I think at that time the U.S. was just a different place. Um, uh, I think now that I've been traveling um, and the way that the the way that the states are is going, their relations with Iran directly, but um, you know, just immigrants in general uh, has just made my family feel a little bit more comfortable with me exploring. Um, it's a weird feeling. Um, to think that you don't have to live where you were raised. Um, my parents immigrated and went to a different side of the world um, to, you know, start their life and have their family. So there's no reason to think that I couldn't. Um, and especially right now um, with the way, you know, technology works, I could um, have a life inside and outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. One, th- one thing that I was just actually talking about this earlier today. So my family were planning a vacation to Jamaica. We're not moving there or anything. But my sister was all nervous because she said, oh, I just read that there's like a travel advisory and there are parts that are dangerous. And I was like, Kate, you live in Denver, which is the home of Columbine, the home of the Aurora movie theater shooting, like the the Walmart shooting. Like it's okay. You know, like we are just as dangerous. So I actually somebody else kind of made a comment about oh well I heard Jamaica's really dangerous so I actually went to um, a UK a UK government site mm-hmm. to look up the travel information for the US mm-hmm. and I'm like look what they say about us yeah. <laughs> like why are, like you think you know just like of course like oh there's a lot of guns in the United States and you know you're you're likely to be safe however there are there here all these multiple terrorist attacks of domestic terrorism using high powered rifles. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're not safe anywhere. Exactly. Like it was, and it, but the perception was like, oh well, I heard that there was like bad gang violence in Jamaica, which there is, but we're not going there to sell drugs in a gang neighborhood. We're going to a resort. So my sister calmed down after that. <laughs> but it's sort of interesting to have that outsider. I think it's important for Americans to look at what other people are thinking oh. about us because there's a sense of superiority sometimes mm-hmm. of like oh, every place is worse than here. Uh, and it's of not course, the case. of course, and <laughs> you know the U.S. is a role model in in many ways for um, for politics and you know for capitalism. Um, for you know for you know I wouldn't say healthcare is our our number one, but they do pay attention to uh, the way we spend and the trends that we, um, that we said. So um, it's been interesting to watch <clears throat> how the politics um, have changed that um, or how the, the advancements of other country um, really just have changed that. 
So it, there's a lot more of an evil, even playing field. Um, when you get out in the world, you see that um, many countries are, are living their life and they have half, happy work-life balance and um, their kids are educated. Um, and uh, you just, you makes you wonder what we, what we work so hard for um, in the States and um, why, why we seem so imbalanced sometimes. Mm. It's interesting to hear you say that um, you have a, people in every country are interested in or aware of what's happening in the United States. Mm-hmm. I went to a con- an international health conference and I came home depressed honestly because the United States in terms of healthcare, we were basically the butt of every every joke. Everyone was watching us mm-hmm. from all the countries and talking about how terrible our outcomes are and, <laughs> and how messed up our values are. And it's so interesting cuz like you said Gretchen, we don't we often think we're the best. Everyone wants to be us, and we don't look at the great things other countries are doing that we're we're actually quite behind on a lot of in a lot of areas, especially the food mm-hmm. <laughs> and the healthcare, mm-hmm. of course, which are tied together, right, Kelly? Exactly. Gosh. <laughs> um, so, how many countries have you been to since you embarked on this journey? Um, about thirty-six, and. Is that on? Is that every continent except Antarctica, uh, or maybe including Antarctica? No, I have not been to Antarctica yet. But maybe next year. <laughs> have you been to Australia? Uh, I did. I just went there. It was amazing. I I love Australia. I do too. I would move there if it wasn't so far away from yeah. home. It is very very far away. <laughs> it just truly is the other side of the world. Have you been to Jamaica? No, I have not been to Jamaica. <laughs> I'm going to Jamaica in a couple of weeks. Right. And my son, there's a kid, there's a child in my son's class who immigrated here from Jamaica. Her, the mother's a nurse at the hospital. And oh, yeah. The, and he is very concerned about us going to Jamaica oh. because the student told him that it's very dangerous there and that his parents, they had to, her, they had to leave because it's so dangerous. And he is stressed about the fact that we're going there. Well, because I mean, one of the things is that tourism is like the biggest, you know, economy driver for Jamaica. So mm-hmm. tourists are going to be protected at all costs so that you say good things and make other people come. Yeah. So I'm not worried at all. Yeah. I might, I might be more nervous if I was like, I'm going to go by myself and I'm going to backpack and just get on this bus and see where I end up, which is like what I did when I went to Australia. But I probably wouldn't want to do that in Jamaica. Yeah. Um, depends on tra- you know, where you're staying. And, oh, totally. Yeah. And so as traveling, so now you're kind of traveling on your own. Is that right? Correct. So how have you run into any issues traveling on your own as a woman? Um, I mean, there is globally, there's an issue with uh, cat calling <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and machismo um, in general. Uh, as a woman, it's uh, my travel habits do change whether I'm with a group or not. Um, so if I'm really by myself. Um, I tend to explore during the day and I work at nights um, because I don't like to, you know, go to restaurants or bars by myself. Um, But if I'm with friends and family, that's when I kind of uh, get to enjoy some nightlife. Um, So travel habits do change uh, and, you know, men are, um, have their habits. Um, You do notice uh, cultural innuendos from country to country um, that the, the way they some men, some countries stare more, some are more verbal, um, some will, you know, invade personal space. But I have never um, 
fortunately, I've never had a, a bad incident. Did when you were on remote year, did, were there any romances that occurred? Not necessarily for you personally, <laughs> but within the 60? Within 60 people, there are um, natural, you know, natural occurrences. But I think there's, <laughs> there's a lot of growth that goes on um, during the year. So um, I think in the end of it, uh, most people come out uh growing a lot whether or not uh, some relationships do stick and we do have couples that stay together and um, some relationships that don't but I think that uh, you know you just understand that you're having experiences with people while you're traveling and um, that ends and there's a lot of growth in that too so no one's been married from the original 60 or anything like that well we do have a wedding coming up but they did come on to the program dating they got engaged during the program so uh, okay yeah. <laughs> i'm just i'm picturing like kelly wants her bachelor moment exactly i'm picturing like bachelorette well, on remote i'm sure dating. i'm sure it'll happen i mean i'm group i was in the fourth group and they're on group 17 right now so that's a lot of people do we i'm sure a genuine love connection during the year will happen <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> so did did anyone drop out from the sixth year? Did most people continue through the whole year? No. Uh, yeah, we started with a group of, I believe, 64 and ended with a group of 48, I believe. Um, so uh, people drop out for various reasons, uh, financial, um, you know, just personal reasons have to go home for uh, it. Some, for some people, the program wasn't what they expected or wanted, um, uh, you know, it's for it's 60 people that's a lot of people at the beginning there's a big dynamic of social um getting to know people um so uh it can be a little bit overwhelming for some introverts uh or um just getting you know getting getting around 60 people can be a lot so it takes a couple months to get into the flow of things um and into a routine for yourself um especially because every month you're changing apartments um so it's really hard to um structure yourself around that did the 60 people all come from various countries or the united states Mm -hmm. No, we had uh, we had other countries represented in our group. We had a couple um, people from England and Ireland and Australia, <clears throat> one girl from Turkey. Um, so, uh, and then other groups have had uh, other people too. It's it is open globally, but it is a U.S. company, so you do have to pay them in U.S. currency. So, uh, you, when global events happen, that does uh, affect things. So, uh, for a group of people in my uh, cohort, uh, Brexit was a big deal because one day they're paying one price for remote year and then the (laughs) next day Brexit happens and the pound plummets and they're paying a much different price. So is it less expensive for you to do this individually without their group? Um, It depends on in some places uh, it's more affordable um, and others um, in Asia, the price point for the program doesn't quite make sense. It's a little cheaper to do it on your own. Um, But in Asia and South America, it's uh, very much um, it's it's affordable. And like I said, you do it more for the community for the community. So. Um, it almost sounds it almost sounds like the kind of thing that you would do when you're saying if you were to hear somebody talking about, oh, I travel around the world and I work remotely. And you're like, wow, that sounds amazing. How would I ever begin to do that? It almost sounds like it's like a, 
training program on how to live and work and travel remotely and and, and do all that. It very much was. So I it definitely was an experienced traveler before this program. Uh, so it got me very comfortable with the logistics of planning it. And for the most part, if you can get yourself, book yourself a room um, and, you know, you have <laughs> Wi-Fi and so you can work and you've got a place to sleep and you can feed yourself, then <laughs> you can pretty much figure everything else out. How much? So you must live a pretty minimalist lifestyle. I do. I live out of uh, about thirty kilos of luggage. You want, you know, two two pieces of luggage on my laptop wow. bag. <laughs> so what has? So what? What is the one thing other than your laptop that you absolutely make sure you have room for in your bags? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, I have a yoga mat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yoga mat's necessity um for stretching and just um just using that often um having a having one routine when you're going to a new place all the time is very nice so um the yoga mat is one routine that um i've enjoyed um i really uh, i have a candle or incense generally i like smells so i like to come home to an apartment that smells familiar, even though it's a different apartment all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I have uh, slippers that I really like. So I, they're just little things that are easy to carry, obviously, <laughs> that um, that remind me of home or that make me feel like home. And what do you, what do you miss most about a traditional Massachusetts nurse lifestyle? Um, <laughs> I do miss uh, I miss the routine of uh, coworkers. I mean, being an online educator uh, doesn't have interaction with my students, but a lot of it is grading feedback, so it's not really interacting. Um, and you know, our conversations are good, but there's no um, camaraderie or whatnot. So I do miss having coworkers. I miss interacting with my patients, um, and I miss uh, I don't know. I miss boston in general like getting off after work and walking walking home through the city um just uh just life like a regular comfortable life in that way uh there's an element of uncomfortableness when you're traveling all the time nothing quite Mm -hmm. feels like home now do are you eating out most of your meals or do you cook meals it depends how are you navigating the food it depends on the kitchen (laughs) yeah (laughs) it depends on the uh the place i'm staying um and the kitchen i have for that month so sometimes if it's a nice kitchen a fully equipped kitchen um or if the grocery store is convenient i'll use it a lot uh for the most part when you're traveling eating for one is uh sometimes a lot cheaper to eat out. Um, so I, I do eat and eating out is a big way of how I explore a city. Um, you know, I pick a neighborhood and I explore it by way of eating <laughs> through it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not always a big thing, but I do really miss cooking. I do miss cooking on a regular basis. So do you feel like you've been able to eat relatively healthy through all the countries do you feel you know do you feel healthy? you know sometimes I know when I travel I always come back feeling like oh gosh that was I feel horrible yeah it depends where I am um I went to (laughs) Japan and um I was I definitely just indulged overindulged uh there the food and the ramen is just incredible um but very salty at the same time um so it depends where I am but like 
Kuala Lumpur is a city that I tend to go. I It's a hub in Asia, so I tend to pass through there quite often. Um, and I have a routine there with a gym and a place that I like to stay. And um, so, like, when I'm there, I feel very healthy. Um, when I'm in Bali, I feel very healthy um, because of all the yoga and their food is generally very fruit-based uh, fruit and fresh. Um, so it just depends where I am. But now I'm back in in Europe and I, I love their sweets and <laughs> got, Lisbon has hills and there's, there's quite a bit of walking here. So that's good. What would be if you were to move back to the U S or really anywhere and you were moving in, back into an apartment, what would be the first thing that you would buy um, to add to your, to that you would have, I probably would buy less. Um, I think if anything, yeah. I realize how much, um, commercialism is in the U.S. The, te- the 10 days I was in the States, I was kind of shocked because right now all I watch is Netflix or um, Amazon TV, so I really don't get commercials quite often. And it was quite amazed by how much commercials and um, the desire to want to spend um, was present when I was in the States. So, um, you know, I've lived out of the same bag for nearly two years. I have bought very little um, I only buy what I need. I buy what I use. Uh, and I, that was not the lifestyle I had before. And so I think I would very much go into the next phase of my life uh, with that mindset. Hmm. Yeah, I have friends who are retired and they retired fairly early. They're in their 50s and they sold their house and they their kids live in California. They were, lived here and they... What, I don't know what, know what they have in their storage unit in California, but they have something out there. But they travel around the world, and they're a married couple, and they call them silver nomads. Yeah, yeah. And they go from country to country, and he will send uh, sends the emails to my husband, who sends them to me, and be like, well, we just, we had a dog-sitting uh, gig in Australia for three months, and they found, you know, the, there's this whole network of people that are sort of traveling around, and it reminds me of those maps where you, like the flight maps mm-hmm. where you see all the flights going back and forth and you don't, you know, when you're in your plane, you don't realize that there's thousands of other planes yeah. mm-hmm. swirling around you. And I feel like there's probably that same network of travelers. So they have traveled. They've been Greece, Australia, uh, Thailand. Uh, they started in Mexico. And then they when they get bored, they just pack up their suitcases and they pick another spot to go. And they live so cheaply even as retired people like like Mexico was like a thousand dollars a month for them to live well mm-hmm. in a little apartment so it's really it's fascinating to follow their travels yeah I mean that's a term in Australia uh, the green nomads they call them uh, they just uh, live in their camper vans because that country was really easily it's beautifully made for van life and uh, they just drive up and down the coast and enjoy the scenery so do you think you'll get a tiny house when you settle there? <laughs> uh, I will say that my apartment in Boston felt like a tiny house regardless. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm used to small quarters, but yeah, I don't need, I, I don't need very much. And this is, this year has proven that. So um, wherever I end up, it will be, it will be minimal. Did you sell your Boston apartment or do you still own it? No, I own it. It's rented to two very, very nice girls. Oh, that's great. The when you think about 
do you right now you're doing this basically for indefinitely is that is that right um i mean indefinitely but knowing that there there's an end an expiration to it um traveling like this is it's it's hard on your body it's you know exhausting um moving every month and um you want it's hard to build relationships and new friendships um in in this manner too so i am in in most ways i'm looking for a place to want to settle down uh so for the most part i'm going to spend the next uh part of the year the the later part of uh 2018 um in spanish-speaking countries to learn spanish um so that's my traveling with a goal um in 2019 um i'm hoping to finally pick a place to settle down whether that's in the states um or not I, i ideally i would like to be in the states for part of the year and be outside the states for part of the year so you do have sort of a timeline for yourself on how you will proceed a very loose timeline (laughs) yeah (laughs) and do you think that when you do you hope to go back to practice or or keep teaching online um i do enjoy teaching online so um i will probably keep i will keep that but Whenever I settle down, uh, if it's stateside, I most definitely would want um, some sort of hospital position, even if it was per diem. Um, And then uh, if I was outside the states, I would definitely look into global health um, options. Mm. Well, and is it, I feel, so I I work in higher ed too, so I'm familiar with a a lot of what you're talking about on the academic side. and it does seem like, at least in the U.S., that there's a really strong need for nurses and for healthcare. Is that true around the world, or is that specific to our own strange sort of healthcare industry here? No, there's most definitely a global shortage of caregivers, um, of qualified caregivers, no doubt. Um, and whether or not we uh, we influence those trends is one thing. Uh, we do use more internationally trained nurses than any other country. Um, so it's interesting uh, to see how other countries uh, work. Um, in other countries, teaching is a more valued per- profession. So their shortage of faculty isn't so much of a factor. In the States, we have two factors that are an issue. Um, not only do we, we don't have enough faculty to train the number of nurses that we need, um, and we have a shortage of the number that we need at the same time. So other countries that have um, better status for teaching don't have the academic shortage that we have. So um, it's interesting to look at those trends. Well, and part of our academic shortages, too, are that, like you said, you can make more as a as a practicing nurse mm-hmm. than as a nurse educator or nursing faculty. So that's definitely something that I think any school that has a nursing department feels. Well, I, I also think that it's <clears throat> it's our society's perception in nursing specifically of teaching or working in academia is not as well regarded as if you're working at a hospital. It's still, and I don't know if it's the media or it's nursing itself or what, but if you tell, like, if I had a dollar for how many times I get asked each week, 
if I tell someone where I work now mm-hmm. and they say, oh, so you don't work at a hospital? And I say, no. And they'll say, oh, so you're not a nurse anymore? <laughs> no, I am. It's <laughs> Actually, no, I am. And I mean, even the way we educate the nurses is predominantly in the hospital. So their thought, their belief that nursing exists outside the hospital is skewed. Yeah, it's been quite interesting um, for me to see that um, you can have a career outside of the hospital. Um, and I'm just starting to look into uh, the networking and jobs um, for digital nurses um, and you know, test bank creators and um, other app developers. And uh, it, they're not generally always nursing um, or sometimes there are other healthcare backgrounds. But there, it's, it's quite interesting to see that there's a lot that we can do in a, dig- a digital format um, and whether or not uh, hosp- we, we all saw the slow, <laughs> slow transition of even getting, um, you know, computers into hospitals the way that they are now. So whether or not we could do things where we could take a lot of roles and um, make them digital um, for a lot of beneficial reasons. Um, but we could, you know, get a lot of nurses um, to stay in the field if they physically can't do it, um, but they're mentally still here. There's so many digital roles that could be useful. Um, you know, there's stay-at-home moms, um, you know, that could juggle um online jobs a lot differently than they could um, because nursing is hard. Once you're there, you're stuck there for 12 hours. You can't run out and go to the doctors. You can't run out and uh, grab your kids. And so um, digital, digital nursing uh, would be a different way of approaching uh, pitching nursing, I should say. Well, I had the experience Mm -hmm. with doctor on demand um, with, with telemedicine as a patient and that I, Basically, I had a cold sore. I knew I had a cold sore. My option was to go to walk in and sit there for four hours at the peak of flu season. Mm-hmm. And or I but then I remembered about doctor on demand. So I it was 50 bucks cheaper than a walk in visit. Mm-hmm. The doctor had me like stick my face up to the camera. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where I knew exactly what I had. I've had them before. The only barrier between me and getting the treatment I needed was a physician to diagnose it. Exactly. And, it, you know, and so, it, you know, I could see a hypochondriac taking super advantage of something like that. Yeah. But, and I would, you can't use doctor on demand for I just broke my arm, you know. Mm-hmm. But for things like that, it can be amazing. I actually worked in my role, I was helping um, some nursing faculty at my school test out various telemedicine options. Mm-hmm. So we had, we tested out this one robot that I, they were out on an island community here in Maine. And I was in my office and I was driving the robot around the room. And then they were, uh, they hooked up an otoscope to the thing mm-hmm. and then they and so like you know anybody a six-year-old could put the otoscope in the person's ear but the view goes to the provider mm-hmm. to say oh yes you have an ear infection or you just have really hairy ears I yeah. don't know. but I'm obviously not a doctor or a nurse but a lot you know they were trying to get figure out a solution that they could have nurses and nurse practitioners facilitate care on the island but get a physician to sign off on those whatever those diagnoses or that kind of stuff without making the patient in that case get on a ferry and you know get on a ferry get on a boat drive to the hospital to be checked out absolutely have a a local clinic some of these places i've traveled to um you know it's been quite amazing to look at and how rural places can get and you know what kind of access to care they have whether it be an emergency or not um you know and 
we have a we have a think tank um, group that I'm a member of, and we you know we've gotten to conversations about linking uh, telemedicine with drones and how that you could you know send a doctor to somewhere remote like that. Um, it would be kind of cool to think of it because you know those are two very easy applications that could could functionally work work um and it's cool to be you know at this time of technology but um it's yeah it's it's quite amazing how how people are living and um how how they're getting their care and i'm convinced that the doctor on demand that i saw was in a home office oh yeah it was like like i mean it was so like there was a plant and a bookshelf and it was a really you know the view was really tight but I was like, there, like you could kind of see out a window. I'm like, this is not a clinical setting. <laughs> you can just tell. <laughs> I mean, well, in Maine, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with Maine, but it's a very rural state, and we have significant access issues. And telemedicine is emerging as um, a potential solution to to provide access to mm-hmm. a lot yep. of areas of our state. Yeah. Um, and so there's a major field, I think, for that. And, and nurses to play a more active role, because a lot of times it's just physicians or, 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 or you know, uh, nurse practitioners or Correct. PAs. But I'd say probably 70% of what happens in primary care could be transitioned with appropriate equipment and process. Correct. Correct. Um, so uh, traveling, what has been, do you have a favorite travel experience or memory you would share? Um... I don't think I have, you know, I've had some amazing experiences. I've, you know, climbed Machu Picchu and, um, you know, I've been to um, some beautiful destinations. Um, but honestly, I think the, it's just the people that I've met. I've made lifelong friends um, and I've had experiences um, with people. But I got what I wanted most out of the year, was, which was very much um, a recovery year for myself. And I would say that I had a nice case of nursing burnout and, you know, I, I just was, I needed, I needed to refresh myself and I took a year, uh, to step back, um, from, you know, what was my career. And, um, I was unlucky that I could do it in a functional way and I could still keep half my job, which was the teaching online. Um, but you know, I got to travel and I got to meet people and I got to see the world. And I think it's, uh, given me a new perspective um, on how I want to be a nurse. Cool. Great. So we always end our shows with a favorite things. Okay. So do you have a favorite thing that you'd like to share with us and our listeners? Favorite thing. Okay. So when I get to a city, my favorite thing to do is to book a food tour because I'm going to usually be there for a month and a food tour will give you three to four good restaurants, usually in your area. And, um, that's usually like a solid thing to do. And it's my favorite, like way to just break into a new city. I've never even heard of a Me food either. tour. So they do it in every city? Pretty much every city. <laughs> just Where do you, how do you find it? Just Google food tour. Like <laughs> Lisbon food tour. We got to start a food I tour in Bangor. Bangor has one. We should do one. We might. We, there we go. There's our summer project. Oh food gosh, tours. That'd be yep. so fun. And what's your favorite thing? My favorite thing, Sarah, and you alluded to this, but Airbnb. I love Airbnb. <laughs> I've had great experiences on Airbnb. I now much prefer staying in an airbnb over a hotel yeah um i the concept of airbnb for me initially really kind of freaked me out because i'm risk averse (laughs) 
And I just thought, like, staying in someone else's house, this is so odd. But I tried it, I don't know, a couple years ago. And I, I've i stayed in a lot of Airbnbs now. And I just, it's awesome. You feel like you're much more integrated into the culture and community than when you're in isolated. I think now I feel like hotels are much more isolating. Well, yeah. I mean, you're staying in a home. So you generally are in a residential area somewhere that, you know, makes sense. And you have to go with the logistics of a real person's house. And so um, it's a good thing. But it is one thing to travel and be aware of kind of the imprint that Airbnb is making. Because in a lot of cities... um, like Lisbon or for example, Barcelona is like the hotspot example of this, but like uh, people of wealth that don't even live in the city or investors will go and buy up properties and turn them into Airbnbs, which then doesn't allow local people to afford rents or live in the area that they work Um, or people, you know, older people will get uh, in Lisbon. They're having a problem with this uh, one section of area called Alfama, which is beautiful and <clears throat> very old. Uh, but investors are buying out the older um, people, you know, offering them more money than, you know, they they would think. But in reality, they're just buying it out because they want to turn it into investment uh, rentals and Airbnbs. And mm. so that just takes it away from a local and all the charm of an old old neighborhood is, is disappearing. So there is... Uh, good things and bad things, like everything has to be in moderation. Um, so this uh, has global tourism, as I've become somewhat a part of it, has been something to pay attention to. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So mine's going to be travel related as well. And mine is, which I guess it probably doesn't matter when you're traveling internationally as much, but uh, my TSA pre-check. Mm-hmm. And I... Love that so much. Kelly's <laughs> laughing because I know I've talked about it. But I think you already used it as your favorite thing. I don't think I did. I think I mentioned it, but I don't think I actually made it my favorite thing. So I'm going to make it my favorite thing since it's travel. But it's $85 for five years. And it means that you can walk through the lines and you don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take off your coat. You don't have to take out your laptop. You don't have to take out your bottles. All of that kind of stuff. And and $85 is like not a small amount of money. And I don't, I'm not, I don't travel a ton, maybe once or twice a year. But when I broke it down and said, okay, if I flew once a year and someone said, would you like to pay $7.50 to not have to do all of this stuff, I would pay it. So I decided to buy it. And actually, I just convinced my sister to get it because she's got a couple flights coming up this year. And I'm like, you will love it. It will make your life easier, especially when I have kids. My sister has kids. Traveling with kids, it makes it even nicer to not have to deal with you know, getting your shoes on, trying to keep them from running away, mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So I do love TSA PreCheck. You probably yeah. forgot what it was like to to fly over here. I Sarah. totally don't know. I mean, <laughs> I am in a whirlwind of of airports now. Um, but I, yeah, I don't remember what it's like to be in the states. But it'll be interesting. I remember here. when I flew in Australia because we flew to Australia and then we took a couple flights within Australia. Mm-hmm. It was so. It, it it was just like okay, get on the plane. I mean, I, really, it was nothing compared to what we go through here. And they still served full meals mm-hmm. on those planes. Yeah, um, it was very yeah, fascinating. Was that because of Oprah, though? No, oh. it wasn't. See, when I went to Australia, it was it was pre nine eleven. We didn't fly alone. We had we were with 
the common folk. Okay. When I went, like, and so when I went to Australia, it was pre 9 11. And so what I remember is I had like a 14 hour layover at LAX. And there were all kinds of people who were hanging out and trying to sell you pencils. And like, it was just all this like panhandling at the gate, basically, from people who were just passing through. And I remember almost being more uncomfortable in LAX on that long layover my return home than I had been the whole time traveling by myself in Australia just because it was this like this sense of people all just right there so that's the one thing I kind of, that's one thing I like about our change security protocols is that the people at the gate are passengers and you're not constantly being solicited and mm-hmm. you know I like that a lot but anyway, well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. You're it was awesome to hear about this. If people wanted to learn more about Remote Year, is there a website that yep they, it's they can visit? RemoteYear.com. Remote. That's it. RemoteYear.com. <laughs> All right. Well, we will make sure to include that in our show notes. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And you're in uh, Portugal now. I'm in Portugal. Yes, I go to Ir- okay. Iran next. Oh wow! Awesome. Okay. Have fun. I yes. am living vicariously through you. I had to take a break from Facebook recently, <laughs> uh, which I'm sure you can understand why, but I have been following, well, I see your pictures for the past two years and I've been trying to live vicariously through you. <laughs> what do they call them? Remotes? Like when you go for a weekend somewhere else? Oh, a side trip? Yeah, side yeah. trip. But I thought it said something else. I thought you called it something else. Must have been side trip. <laughs> she, she's. It's more than just the 38 countries because you do all these little quick getaways to, I mean within the same country right? yeah yeah. Cool. you've been living the dream Sarah well thank you yes that's awesome <laughs> what a great perspective to have on and and you said you did it because of nursing burnout and I have to think that this had to have been at least refreshing if not it's been, healing it's been fantastic yeah it's just yeah best decision I ever made awesome <laughs> awesome well, have fun. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our interview with Sarah. It was awesome to hear about her story. And if you have enjoyed listening to our podcast, please be sure to tell a couple friends. You can leave a uh, message, uh, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We're available any place you can get your podcasts. And we hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye.